You know, there there is so much talk right now about crime uh, in America, not just in urban areas anymore, but virtually in all areas of the nation. And as our audience knows, we have uh, less law enforcement officers than we've had, uh, frankly, in my lifetime. And, uh, and yet we have more crime. So I thought today we should talk about how people can protect themselves when law enforcement can't be around and also how law enforcement can help protect ourselves legally. We have a lot to talk about. So I thought you all needed to meet Kirk Evans. He is the president of US Law Shield. And we're going to talk, first of all, about what your company does, Kirk, and how they help safety-minded Americans. Sure. We are the nation's largest uh, legal defense for self-defense program. Uh, There's two parts to that. One, uh, for a small monthly fee, we will provide you with a legal defense from start to finish if you ever have to use your firearm or any other lawful weapon to defend yourself or others. Um, The other half of that program, though, is education. Doesn't do uh, anybody any good whatsoever to do the first part if they don't know the second part, which is education. And we uh, do thousands of seminars every year for folks who want to learn about gun law and gun gun rights. Um, And we provide a number of publications, newsletters, and um, uh, actually wrote books in the majority of states on the gun law in those states. So I love what you're saying because, you know, there's there's a lot of talk in the media that, oh, um, don't get a gun, they're dangerous. Or there's other people saying, well, you better get a gun to protect yourself. But as someone who has carried a firearm since I was 21 years old, I know that just owning and carrying a gun um, is not very valuable if you don't know how to use it and also when to use it where you can use it legally, because in the United States, uh, you know, we have the Second Amendment, but then each state is able to regulate when you can use your firearm, uh, both as a citizen, uh, as law enforcement, and as retired law enforcement. So there's a lot to unpack here. So let's first talk about education. If What does your average citizen need to know, Kirk, Um, If they're thinking, you know what, I do need to get a firearm to protect my family. What do they need to think about first? Well, so uh, um, one, well, there's two parts to it, but I'll say one is get educated on the laws in your state. And just from a basic, basic point, um, there are disqualifications on who can own or possess a firearm. And those differ in every single state and at the federal level. So you might have you know, some quirky little uh, restraining order from an old divorce that went away that seems like it was nothing and you might be barred from possessing a firearm. So, you know, you see a hot story on the news, run out, buy a gun, um, and you haven't got the law correct in your state or federally, you might be a felon at that point. So one, figure out, can uh, can I even possess this firearm? Then two, um, you have to figure out, and this is a very personal decision, um, you know, are, what are you going to use this firearm for? When are you going to use it? And what do you feel comfortable doing? And I, I will say, frankly, we have, we have members. I remember a member, and she, she is a member of our program, but she said, no, nope, if, uh, if we have to use it, it's going to be my husband. Uh, and she just, she has a gun. Uh, she just knows that at the end of the day, maybe this is not the thing for her. 
it's going to be your husband. So you have to come to that sort of personal decision, um, what you're prepared to do, what you would uh, do if you needed to. Um, and and there's, geez, there's just a gigantic spectrum there. So, you know, obviously you're attacked uh, with a firearm. You truly are in danger of, of dying. You know, most people can bring themselves to think that they're going to use a firearm there. But what if it's, you know, something in the middle of the road? What if it's a, a property issue or someone who is unarmed? Um, you need to think through all of those personal circumstances, what's right for you, what you're going to feel comfortable doing. Uh, then once you get there, then you need to be trained up on that firearm. Um, we deal with thousands and thousands of instructors around the uh, country, firearms instructors, and I've heard stories, frankly, there, there are people that come to them that, you know, probably should not have, I mean, we're, we're pro-gun, we're a gun, you know, we support everybody who wants to tote a gun, but frankly, there are some people who should not have a gun. Uh, don't know how to use it, aren't ready to use it. Um, and so if that's, if that's you, you better get trained up, you better practice, you better figure out how to use it um, so that if the time comes, you do use it. And then finally, get educated, not just on uh, when you can have that gun, but get educated on when you can use the gun. And the laws vary in every single state. Some states, uh, you know, for here in Texas, Technically, under the law, you could shoot someone for criminal mischief in the nighttime. Um, nay, probably not a good idea. Um, but in other states, in New Jersey, in New Jersey, you have to yell out to tell people if you have an intruder in your house, you have to yell out to try to get them to leave before you can, before you can shoot them in in your home. So learn the law in your state on when you can use that gun. You know, you bring up so many fantastic points. And, and one of the things that, that I want to talk about is the, the fastest growing demographic, um, correct me if I'm wrong, in firearms today is women, right? Oh, and we have been heading on an, up, uh, you know, an upward trend for women purchasing and owning and carrying firearms. And, and I know as a, uh, as a public speaker, I very often in, encounter uh, citizens, women who have decided they want to carry a firearm. So they uh, very often they will um, talk to a man that they respect or appreciate or they think is knowledgeable. And then they end up with this giant, you know, you, because they've been told you've got to have this 45 with a, you know, two foot extended magazine and all, all these things. And they're scared to death of it. They can't hold it, much less shoot it. And, uh, and so it ends up sitting in a safe, you know, kind of a very expensive item in their safe, and it doesn't do them any good. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and what your organization does for, uh, for example, novice shooters um, and novice possessors, especially women? Sure. And a couple, of, you know, a couple of ideas on that is you could, you can go, uh, women can go with, with friends who are women. They're sort of a you feel more comfortable in numbers uh, going by yourself, heck, even for guys going by yourself to the range for the first time is very intimidating. You just, you know, what are they going to ask me? What should I do? How do I carry it? How do I, I mean, that's very intimidating, but go, you know, maybe get a bunch of friends and go, uh, go together and go take a class. Um, we do have a couple uh, uh, publications on range etiquette, range behavior. 
um, and our members can access those. You can read up on all of that beforehand and then, you know, either go with a significant other or even, you know, maybe even a son or a father or just get a bunch of ladies out there. Um, there are, uh, you know, well-armed women. There are a bunch of nationwide and state um, women's organizations for women shooters, and you can look into those um, to get more comfortable. I, I would say the, the two, uh, probably for me, the two most important things is one, uh, get educated on the stuff we talked about earlier, where you can carry, when you can use it, and can I even have this gun? This, this is for the novice. Uh, and then two, probably go out and take some kind of basic uh, firearm safety course before you even you know try to get the ball rolling. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I want to point out to everybody, you know, who has not done any shooting or doesn't own a firearm that, that I think one of the things that always gets lost when we talk about firearms is how much fun it is. It is so much fun to just go to the range and, and practice and learn and try different things. And, and again, especially for women and, you know, even um, appropriate age children, you know, all of my kids were involved in shooting sports and, and huntings and all that before they were adults. Um, it is, it's a lot of fun. It teaches great responsibility. It teaches um, people how to think, really think on their feet. And, uh, and, and, you know, so I don't want everybody to be, you know, oh my gosh, it's so scary. We're talking about guns because shooting is really fun, isn't it? Yeah, so I would say that the, the first, you know, the first five minutes in the range with all the pows and bangs and everything like that, that, but what I, I'm 100% with you, once that wears off, it is absolutely fun. Both of my kids, you know, nine, 10 years old, were loving, they learned how to clear, you know, jams and their firearms and how fast they could do it. And obviously very safely, but, um, you know, once, once that they overcame that, they were just absolutely tickled pink and begged me to go to the range whenever, whenever we can. So Kirk, you know, we have the second amendment, which, you know, in theory says that we can all, you know, possess a firearm, utilize it if we need. We all in theory have laws that say, if my life is in danger, that, you know, as an American, I can utilize deadly force to save my life. So with all that, why do people need insurance? Well, um, let's, what's the, what's the best way to boil that down? Um, there are cases that people, where people are charged every day where uh, it is clearly self-defense. Um, we just had uh, a case two weeks ago um, where our, our program attorneys were just, this is absolutely self-defense. The DA was convinced this is absolutely murder. So two reasonable minds, maybe maybe they weren't all reasonable, uh, completely different. Case went all the way to the jury. Um, at the end of the jury trial, very quick, not guilty verdict. And the members of the jury wanted, wanted to talk to our program lawyers about like, well, what, why in the world did they even bring this case? So uh, one, you know, just cases that get charged incorrectly all the time. Um, number two, there are a number of jurisdictions around the country where um, if you discharge a gun, it doesn't matter what the circumstances, doesn't matter how justified the shooting is, you will go to the grand jury. And that's here, here in Harris County. It doesn't matter, uh, little old grandmother defending herself against a cartel attack. Um, this, the policy here is it goes to the grand jury. 
Um, so, you know, why, why do you need the insurance that there are just too many horror stories um, that we've experienced, you know, from thousands and thousands of member incidents that you need that coverage. Now, two, one of the other benefits of our program is you can, with, with our program, you can uh, talk to a program attorney anytime you want during, during regular business hours and just ask, you know, firearms questions. Hey, uh, I'm going across the you know, going across state lines, what, what do I need to know? Um, basically, unlimited calls to our program attorneys to ask any questions you want um, about firearms topics. I love that. And, and that's something that law enforcement runs into all the time, both retired and current law enforcement. You know, if I was still on the job, you know, I, of course, I could carry my firearm off duty in the jurisdiction where I work, but there's something called the uh, Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act. We, you know, we, it's known as HR 218, um, although there's some changes in all of that. But, but that basically says that if I follow certain uh, guidelines, go through certain training each year, depending on where I live and where I was a police officer, um, that I can carry a firearm in all 50 states. So again, in theory, um, somebody like me uh, is covered, but there's a whole lot of differential in that situation too, isn't there? Crossing state lines, going different places. Um, can, and I know that I, your company is involved in also helping current peace officers and retired peace officers as well who are, uh, have to use uh, deadly force, who are forced to, right? Oh, no. So absolutely. We have thousands of uh, LEO uh, members uh, and probably thousands of former LEO, LEO members also. Um, and, and our program works the same way with, with uh, law enforcement officers. If you are forced to use your weapon or uh, firearm or any other legal weapon, um, we'll cover you start to finish, um, you know, whatever legal help you, you need. Um, obviously some folks say, well, you know, my department provides a defense or my union provides a defense and that's, that's absolutely fine. You use this as much as you, uh, need or don't need. If you feel comfortable in the situation and don't want us great. If you don't feel comfortable and you want us great, we're, we're there to help. Um, so yeah, we, we, and uh, retired officers as well. So this is something that my husband and I um, travel the country and we train police officers. And in one of our classes, we talk about off-duty officer safety, involving your family, talking to your family about it. And, and one of the things we talk about is you may be somewhere where you don't have your firearm. So you may have to use an improvised weapon, whether it's a chair in a restaurant or a baseball bat, you know, that you keep in your truck or or whatever. So there's more weapons than just firearms that you might potentially have to use. And um, I think something unique about you guys is you cover those non-firearm weapons, right? Talk about that part of the program. Sure, all, basically all legal weapons are covered. You know, bazooka, hand grenades, nope, probably not gonna work. Uh, and that's gonna depend, depend upon what's legal in, in, your, in your state. So. Uh, New Jersey slingshots are illegal, so unfortunately, we wouldn't cover you with a slingshot in New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, in Texas, any, any uh, you know, Texas, Illinois, you name it, uh, any lawful weapon is covered, and uh, that works in you know the circumstance you describe. Sometimes you just accidentally don't have your firearm; you just are at a quirky scenario, and you just get the first thing that you got. 
Um, then there are other times where um, we, we have lots and lots of members who are absolutely gun-toting, you know, you know what, uh, but they do want to have a backup non-lethal weapon because they've got, they, when they come to their personal decision, they've decided, here's when I'm going to use my gun and here's just when I want to, you know, stop somebody or, or make somebody go away. And so they, you know, carry a secondary weapon that's non-lethal. We cover, cover all that stuff as well. Well, sure. And there are, uh, just so folks know, there are civilian versions of the taser. Um, there are different levels of pepper spray. Um, there are different striking instruments that, um, you know, citizens can um, purchase and train with and utilize. So yeah, there absolutely are lots of non-lethal or less lethal um, weapons that are available. And it's good to have not only the education about them, but, you know, the legal coverage as well to be able to utilize that. Because again, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, we really are living in a, a nation now where we have less police officers, higher response time very often, and frankly, more crime. So in areas where you weren't, you know, thinking you were going to be the victim of a crime, you might well be the victim, right? That's correct. And um, I guess that, yeah, that ties in the third point is so there are a lot of places you can't even have your gun. Uh, and so that's where you may want to have, uh, may want to have that backup non-lethal weapon, pepper spray, um, you know, something that is permitted. Again, there, there's sometimes where uh, a gun is off limits and so are a bunch of other weapons, but there are definitely, you know, research and figure out what tier weapon that you want to bring in because if it's a non-gun place, and as you stated, where there's an increase in crime in that area, oof, one, you may just want to avoid it, but two, make sure you can bring in what you need in that type of situation. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the National Police Association, we have a public service announcement that, um, that we released a while ago, and we continue to put out there where we ask citizens that if you see a police officer who is in an altercation with someone and maybe is get the, the bad guy is getting the best of them. We ask people, look, don't just film it, but you know, certainly call 911, let, let them know what you're seeing. And then if you can safely do so, and if the police officer welcomes it, try and help that police officer. Um, have you seen situations like that? Or is that something that you cover in your informational um, trainings? Sure, absolutely. And um, that is a, I will say the spectrum on that is gigantic. So uh, that's a personal decision. This does not happen like you think it happens in the movies. Um, we have had complete and total heroes assist, you know, with officers and shoot fleeing felons that worked out perfectly. But we've had other members who, you know, pull the shotgun on an undercover officer and they, they didn't know what was going on and didn't understand the situation. And they now have pulled a shotgun on an undercover police officer and are charged with assault with a deadly weapon on a, on a peace officer, a uh, horrible situation. So this is one, to me, it is very, very difficult. There's a gigantic spectrum, but as you described, so what I would say the sort of the easy one, officer down, uh, you know, someone about to, you know, execute innocent people, uh, there's no other possibility. If you if you can get the officer to indicate he wants help, then you know yes, we encourage that. The other end of the spectrum, you know, seven officers responding to shoplifting, they seem to have it under control. 
do not pop up with your gun at the scene and, you know, decide you're going to jump in to help these seven officers on a shoplifting case. Um, it, it is not a typical, uh, you know this better than me, it is not typical for an officer to encounter this. So we recommend, do you, you know, make sure the officer wants your help, make sure the officer knows who you are, um, don't be just pulling out a gun in the middle of a, uh, you know, a criminal situation with an officer there, because for all he knows, you're helping the bad guy. And then for all you know, you're pulling the gun on an informant or an undercover police officer. Uh, so this is very, very, very tricky. Um, you know, make for darn sure you, you understand what is going on before you do that and do try to get the officer's permission slash request for help. Well, and you bring up such an important point. And, and what I lastly, what I want people to really understand is, is when we encourage and when people, you know, when companies like you encourage people to utilize their Second Amendment rights, we encourage it and you encourage it with the utmost of seriousness and responsibility. And that is really what the Second Amendment is all about, right? No, that's correct. It does not do anybody any good to have an uneducated gun owner take their gun into a place where they can't use it, you know, in a ridiculous, you know, you know, shoot somebody on their front lawn who's yelling bad words. It just doesn't do anybody any good. Um, it is always a last resort. Um, there's just, you know, that just think long and hard uh, and just hope it doesn't happen to you where you do have to use your firearm. Kirk, where can people find out more about U.S. Law Shield? Sure, just go to uslawshield.com. The website had, tells it all and lots of great info there. Thank you so much for educating us today, spending time with us. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, Law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.